Listeners, start your engines. Franchise Detours, episode 27. Rob here. On this episode, we're rounding out the original Muppet trilogy. That is the three films prior to Jim Henson's tragic passing in 1990. So needless to say, it's a big one, folks. The Vern of Cinema Recall joins us to talk about 1984's The Muppets Take Manhattan. So really excited for you to hear that episode. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating and review whenever you're listening to this. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about The Muppets Take Manhattan. Jim Henson Home Entertainment presents... Jump on board for big time fun. What are we waiting for? Let's go to Broadway! The Muppets are hitting... The Big Apple. Bapo Sacco's far out. Right on. In search of their big break. We sold the show. The producer wants to put it on Broadway. Come on, everybody. New York City will never be the same. Here we go. Together on. Together on again. They like it. They love it. Jim Henson's The Muppets Take Manhattan. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we are moving right along on the Muppets mega series here, talking 1984's The Muppets Take Manhattan. And I am honored to welcome to the show The Vern from Cinema Recall. Is that I love it? Thank you very much, Robert. <laughs> this is absolutely epic. I'm so thrilled to be here and Franchise Detours to talk about my beloved creatures of all time, The Muppets. Jim Henson's wonderful creation that he did in the mid late seventies, and it's still relevant today. And I'm just so happy to get into this movie. So, so tell people a little bit about Cinema Recall and everything you have going on. I know you're 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 super busy with a million different things right now. Well, yeah, I mean, well, right now, Cinema Recall, we are about to reach our 200th episode. So, very excited about that. We are a movie review podcast. But we also are, we like to be a little bit different than other movie podcasts because we want to celebrate all forms of cinema. We want to celebrate the big blockbusters and we want to help support indie films as well. So we can review anything right now from Syria Now, uh, My Dinner with Andre to Spider Man No Way Home is the best way to describe it. We want to view both the like I said, big blockbusters, small independent features. We usually have on a guest. Recently, I just brought in my best friend from over 20 years, Ashley Olamurak. And me and her just have like a bunch of fun talking about movies, different reviews. But then on each episode, we bring on a new guest and usually a theme with that guest. So we had on one guest, Heather Bassendale from the MILF cast. And we talked about our favorite female superheroes. Or we recently had on guest Ariel Kutsi of the Mouse Podcast, and she talked about connections between horror movies and true crime stories. And that was a lot of fun. So we just kind of do off and on. We're looking to change our format once again after the 200th episode hits. But it's just been just a lot of fun. I had never had a coast before, 
And it's always great to have someone you've known for several years and meeting her got very different tastes in movies and music and just kind of fun to have us talk back and forth. And we hope that everyone out there enjoys a little banter here and there. Absolutely. No, and that's a big big thing of the philosophy that I bring to try to, to movie podcasting as well is trying to have different people on constantly. That's the whole kind of the idea behind the world of film from a fresh angle for Crooked Table yeah. is just like bring different people on. Everybody's got a different perspective. You never know what movie or subgenre or what, you know, what their experience is, what they're bringing to, to film. And that's part, you know, that's part of what makes talking about these things so much fun is that you, you'll, you'll come to think of things in a way that you never did before. Ashley's always been the one that's it did the whole big movies that are coming out. And I'm more of the indie art school fair of movies. And so it's going to be fun to come up on future episodes where we're each going to recommend to each other a different movie or a pilot of a TV show just to see how we would react to it. And it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Enjoy that. Exactly. Love it. Love it. And I, and I understand that you've done an episode on the Muppets in the past. Is that correct? We have. Yes. My good buddy, Chris Revel of Let's Chat Podcast. We're huge Muppet fans. So we cover everything Muppets from the Muppet features. And we talked about our favorite songs from the movies and our favorite moments. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. And so I recommend to check that out. CinemaRecall.net is where you can find it, I believe, under season four. I believe it's on there. I have to double check and look, but I'm pretty sure. But if you just go to the website, cinemarecall.net, you can find it in one of our seasons. It's called The Muppets and Why It Is the Greatest Thing Ever Made. <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good segue then. So why why is it the greatest thing ever made? What in your opinion? Like a little preview of the episode and so also kind of, you know, what's your your introduction to them? I mean, I, I don't know about you, Robert, but for me, my introduction to the Muppets had to be when I was a little kid and Sesame Street. Yeah. I mean, those characters were just so much part of my life and they're just puppets. But the way that these puppets are emoting and they're feeling teaching me numbers, you just get into them. You, you believe them as real characters just because there's like real people in Sesame Street and they're at, interacting with them as real people. And then I do remember watching episodes of The Muppet Show with my grandfolks and my parents, and for me as a little kid, I thought the Muppets were just like a real thing. I thought yeah. there actually were Muppets walking around talking to human characters. And wait, wait, wait! And, they're not? Are you telling me they're not? You're no, they're they are. They are. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> they would no. Uh, they actually are real people. I'm not gonna. Of course, thank goodness. That's the weird thing too, because even though yes, as adult, you know that they're puppeteers, they just right. never feel like that. I don't. I, I can't really watch any behind-the-scenes footage of the Muppets. I, I don't want to see any of the puppeteers working the puppets because that's going to take out the illusion. As far as I'm concerned, the Muppets are a real thing. And kudos to everyone, the puppeteers involved, doing their work because they can just make, even without having any dialogue, they can just have them emote mm-hmm. or react to a scene and you just buy into it right away. There are some really great moments, even some physical comedy when we get into the Muppet State of Manhattan, where no one is saying a word, but you can totally understand a Muppet feeling anger or sadness or surprise and happy or just it runs the whole gamut of human emotions. One of my good buddies, Jason Soto, 
from whatever which is Soto, he says that you can probably remake any movie and put the Muppets in there and it'll still be a good movie. And he says to take it seriously, right? You could probably remake, I don't know, like a Shawshank Redemption yeah. and have it all be all Muppets except for one person and you probably have this, the same human emotion or can you imagine like cycle with all Muppets except for one person? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. People are always constantly doing that. Like, you know, you see that's that's a meme that's been passed around. Like, what movie would you make with Muppets? And because they they, I mean, the movie they they did right after this, the Muppet Christmas Carol is essentially that they they kind of, you know, said that they are doing that themselves at a certain point in this franchise. So, yeah, it's can you imagine Jaws (laughs) with like all Muppets? Yeah. And like the only the only real thing would be the shark, I guess. I don't know if I remember. Or I probably... You the like, shark's what? like animal with a shark fin hat on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see, I want animal to be the uh, guys, the guy who's hit the shark, Quint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I just... just <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. And it's a testament to the to the Muppet performers that like, that you you know it's, it's this sort of technical achievement that I think gets... A, under discussed a lot because exactly of what you're saying that we 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 want to know but we don't want to know you know i i watched just because now i'm i'm my head's more into everything muppets now than it normally is and it normally already is because i have a huge affinity for these guys i was watching like a comic-con panel that they did a few years ago for the the abc show that only lasted the the one season the mockumentary style one Oh, and this right, and they they were on stage, you know, Dave Goles and Eric Jacobson and Steve Whitmire and all the all the Muppet performers, and they're on there they're they're talking about the making of the show, and then little by little they bring out all their puppets, and, and I was just kept fast forwarding like, okay, oh, and then there's Fozzie, good, there you go, Fozzie. I don't really <laughs> want to hear what the people have to say. It's not like I, it's not like into what you're saying. It's not disrespect to them and if anything it's a testament to their work because yeah like, yeah i want to see you guys i want to see the muppets because that's why i'm here you know it's it's it it's they they do come to life and that's one of my favorite things about this franchise is that the only continuity is these characters there's they're constantly put in different situations there's not all of these air quote sequels no very few other than muppets most wanted they don't really follow each other they're just kind of like and then the Muppets are in this situation and go, you know, it's just kind of, that's the only connective tissue are the characters. There's no like narrative kind of carryover from one film to the next. And I, I, I think that's, that's makes this franchise sort of unique in a way. That is very true, Robert. I guess another thing too that meets them so lifelike, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, maybe you are, maybe your other shows allude to this, but <clears throat> they actually released a live concert of the Electric Mayhem. I, I don't know what city it is. It's on YouTube, and I can provide a link later. But they actually had the actual Electric Mayhem, the puppets from the band, play live at an outdoor festival. That's so cool. It, and it was the most amazing thing ever. And they put them in this stage that could hide the puppeteers very well. So where when they're playing, it's like you're actually watching them for real. And it's so surreal to have like a live audience there watching it. I mean, you can, I know when you do like the movies or the TV show, you can 
frame the camera in certain ways to hide the puppeteer work. And you're relying on between you're relying on the ads in between the actors and the puppeteers. But when you're seeing something like live, I swear, I'm in my late 40s and I just felt like a little kid all over again. I was completely just blown away about how awesome that looked. And I think Jim Hinton and his team have just been really, uh, I, I, yeah, I would say they've been improving puppeteers. I mean, especially if you go from, because didn't they Dark Crystal come out in 81 or 82? Not, Around there, yeah. So you're going from like the Muppet movie to the Dark Crystal. Very much a different take on that. And then you go from like the Dark Crystal. Because I think the Dark Crystal was a collaboration with Frank Oz and Jim Henson. They kind of worked together on that one. The Muppet's Take Manhattan would be the very first movie directed by Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of like co-directing work with Jim Henson and has been part of that workshop team for a while. But this would be his very first film he would ever direct. And of course, Frank Oz has gone on to make uh, Little Shop of Horrors and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and a whole bunch of other features that really enjoy. But it was a start here. And I think The Muppets Take Manhattan is very kind of different from the other two Muppet movies. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's in a lot of ways the uh, it's the, this franchise is the eight films we're covering theatrical the, the theatrical films, and it's really this is sort of the the end of this first kind of phase of this franchise too. That's the other thing. It's Frank Oz's first directorial effort, and it is also the last film with Jim Henson, the last film with Richard Hunt before they both passed away before Muppets the Muppet Christmas Carol. And it's also, it feels very much like a reaction to the great Muppet Caper sort of underperforming at the box office because in the first one, it's obviously, oh, okay, we're taking the leap from the Muppet Show to the big screen. This is how the story behind the Muppet Show, how we all got together. And then the great Muppet Caper is sort of, all right, you know, my guest and I, we we discussed that that feels basically like the first movie they made after they got their rich and famous contract at the after the end of the Muppet movie. It's like, oh, hey, a movie. You know, the whole thing is like, we're in a movie, everybody. We're still Kermit and Piggy and stuff, but we're not Kermit and Piggy. And here again, they're not the Kermit, Piggy and the gang from the Muppet show, but they're still aspiring performers, but they're also set and put in a different set of circumstances. So I think it tries to... Yeah kind of split the difference between the previous two. Yeah, that's a good point about split the differences because, yeah, you're right. In the first, with the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper, it's very meta in its humor. And I know they brought back that meta humor for the Muppets 2011 with Jason Segel. But yeah, you're right. It kind of like references the fact that, hey, we're actually Muppets, but we're playing characters. But it's telling you in those movies that's what's happening. There's a lot of like meta in-joke references. Like there's a scene in the Muppet movie where Kermit the Frog gives a script to other people so that they can catch up on the plot so that yeah. the story can continue. That's not the case here with the Muppets Take Manhattan. In this one, we found out from the start that these Muppets are in college and they're just about ready to graduate college. Now, I would love to have, see right here, a remake of Animal House with the Muppets. <laughs> there you go. I want to see what happens in the college years of Muppets. What do they get into? I mean, do do they have, sort of have wild, crazy parties? I mean, 
I don't know. Are there like any like hookups going on? I I want to know what's going on in these worlds here. I mean, what kind of like wild shenanigans do college age Muppets get into? Do they go on some sort of like, you know, benders? I don't know. What's a uh, what's a frat party like with the electric mayhem? Oh my god, oh that would be so epic. <laughs> oh, I so want that to happen so bad. If I could find a way to have if I when I get married one of these days here and have the Muppet, the electric mayhem play the wedding, oh, that would just be the most epic party ever. All right. Gotta make that reality soon. But anyways, I digress there. So the Muppets are in college, which is very surreal right there. And they're they I think everyone's told by their names, you know, Miss Piggy, Cover the Frog, Gonzo. But I like the fact that this world just accepts that hey, these are a frog, a pig, a bear, or whatever, just going to the college classes. Everyone in this movie never looks at the Muppets like strangely. They never yeah. like take a look back, but wait, is that talking frog? Wait, is that talking pig? No, they just accept the world. And that's what I appreciate the most. So we got the Muppets, they're graduating from college. I would love to know what their degrees are. I mean, what does Rolf have a degree in? What does Scooter have a degree in? I don't know. It's okay. So they are performing this musical called Manhattan Melodies. Or, or is it Merry Melodies? It's, no, 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 yeah, Manhattan Melodies, yeah. Ma- Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes, I apologize. Manhattan <laughs> Melodies, but they're really big in this small college town and one of the audience members like, hey, you should go to Broadway. And they're thinking, I don't know if I should go to Broadway. And they're like, I think probably it was one of them like Fozzy. Or what are the things Scooter who is like Broadway? Scooter. We should go to Broadway. Yeah. 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 I, I I I like the 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 idea now for, for this movie is what if Kermit the Frog was like Lynn Manuel Miranda, essentially? And he would <laughs> <laughs> go on the theater department. And and the fact that the Muppets in general are sort of you know, a metaphor for Find, you know, find those other people who are considered weird, who are the oddballs, who are like you, like find your tribe, essentially. And in this college, all the Muppets gravitated gravitated together and everyone else in the college is just is a human. And I think that's also interesting. It really kind of emphasizes that point. It's not till they go to New York, you know, a big metropolitan city where there's people of all kinds trying to make it make their way and and, you know, find their place in the world, etc. that they encounter other Muppets. You know, it, out in the world, just living their lives. And I thought that was that was an interesting point that really stuck out to me this time. And a, another cool thing too is that even though the Muppets had a lot of success, sorry, they had a lot of success with their play in this small college town. They they have the stark realization that just because one town may like what you do, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to become a big hit because it takes a lot of work and I love the fact too that they just don't kind of give up and they stick to their guns and their image they remind me a little bit of like John Waters and Mm -hmm. the groups of movies that he made in Philadelphia because when he made Pink Flamingos that movie didn't get a lot of good reaction when it came out and I'm sure I had a hard time trying to find a distributor but it worked hard and hard, and now that movie has a special Criterion edition coming out here later on. So you just never know what you're going to be making, how it's going to resonate with others right away. Even though if you, if, when you create a piece of art and it hits with you know your friends and other people in town, 
but it may not hit with the general public right away. Your first uh, reaction is to say, hey, I'm a failure. I should not keep doing this anymore. Why am I doing this? No, I think whatever whatever Muppet Take Manhattan says is to keep going with it. Keep going for your dream. Keep going for it. Are there going to be roadblocks in the way? Of course there are. But like the song says, you can't take no for an answer. No, no. <laughs> you can't take no for an answer. No, no, no. And I, yeah, I love that we, first of all, I love that we get that our, our sort of requisite electric mayhem jam yeah. in the middle of this. Last one was Nightlife. And the, obviously, can you picture that in the, in the original film? But yeah, it's also the, the keeps the, the Muppets have to have that underdog status. I think anytime they get they they achieve too much, they have to the this franchise has to sort of bring them back down. I think you know you people will hear later on in this mega series when we talk about Muppets Most Wanted, where the the Muppets 2011 ends with this huge high and they hit their their you know, fundraising goal to save the theater to, to save the studio and all that other stuff. And then Muppets Must Wanted, they have to be like, oh, oh, it's all gone now. We have to start over again. You know, they have to um, immediately sort of to bring themselves back down to earth. And, and in this film, they are literally living out of lockers <laughs> yeah. in New York, which I, which is which is such an iconic image in my head. And 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 it's very much about them sort of struggling. It's a little more. I feel like this movie is a little. This is an overused word now, but it's a little grittier than the previous two. Like it feels yes. like. It feels more like the Muppets are in our world as opposed to a world where the Muppets are in it, if that makes sense. I mean, the New York of Muppets Take Manhattan is very much like a hardcore. I'm not saying it's on the same vein of like, you know, a taxi driver right. or like Uncle Gems or something, but it's a very much you're seeing the Muppets out in the cities. The Muppets have to deal with some crazy thing. You know, you have to... Yeah. It deals like with Miss Piggy dealing with the sexist construction workers. Yeah. The sex no construction workers. The, the... She gets her purse snatched yeah. at, at, in the park, at Central Park at one point. Dabney Coleman, one of the, you know, one of the, the bigger, with the bigger, more extended cameos is like, is a con man, you know, that was posing as a producer. That was great like, too. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Because when the Muppets first get into New York, yeah. they take up a meeting right away with this sir. And they come into the producer's office and they see the song. And the producer's like, you know, we got, we got hit. And the Muppets start sort of saying like, yes, we're going to have our show be on Broadway. And Dabby Coleman's character is like, all I need is $300 from each of you. <laughs> I mean, the Muppets are right now living in lockers, so there's no yeah. way they can afford anything at all. They can afford like three bucks. They're not going to afford $300. And it's right then when a lady comes down or comes inside and brings the cops and she tells the cops, that man just stole my whole life savings. And then Debbie Coleman picks up Camilla, the chicken, and comes is like, no, don't take her. Take me. He's like, all right, I'll take you. And it's just back away. It's a hostage situation it's, in the yeah, Muppets movie. It's hostage situation. And you, you watch the reaction of the Muppets in that. They are just, you buy into what's happening because of the reaction of the Muppets. And it's just one actor. It's like one, like probably two or three live actors and the rest are Muppets. And kudos to whoever the director of photography was because to actually have to, you know, frame that shot to make sure that you see the reactions and the editor too and see the reactions of the Muppets you just totally just buy that scene and when Animal attacks the guy and he, Animal's like he's like running down 
with like a chicken in his arm biting at him, an animal, just to do that as an actor to make that whole thing believable by having these plush items handed on to you. And the way that Dabby Coleman moves, just moves and shuffles his feet. And you can see animals kind of like dragging himself behind there. You just totally buy that. No, these are not just puppets. These are actually real people. And it's like just some sort of like magic that it's hard to describe. But it's yeah, it's not it's not an actor walking around with a couple of stuffed animals. You're like, hey, we'll put Gonzo, leave Gonzo alone. It's, it, it, and it's it, it feels like a a deliberate subversion of the end of the Muppet movie. Like, I love the Muppet movie. Oh. I think it's perfect. But. The fact that they walk in and Orson Welles is immediately like, get the, get the, the standard Richard Famous contract for Kermit the Frog and company. And I'm like, wow, that was, they didn't even have to like audition or nothing. You just could tell. Orson Welles is very, very astute instincts when it comes to the entertainment industry, yeah. apparently. But in this movie, they come in and Dabney Coleman's like, all right, we're going to do it. Songs, dances, shootings. No, no, oh, no, no shooting. Nobody, yeah, no shooting. Shooting. <laughs> Nobody likes shootings anyway. And then it turns out to be, you know, the rug pull. I, I love that. Yeah, because you expect when you see, you know, Muppets that they're going to get their way. And I love the fact that this one, the Muppets do have to struggle. I like the fact, too, that they take the story and situations seriously. They're not doing any sort of, like, break the fourth wall. You know, no one is, like, tied into a camera. Being like, huh, I'm sure we got all this fine. We've got the script here. No, they're actually just treating everything as serious as can be. And I enjoy that very much. And the Muppets have to make, you know, a tough decision because, you know, after they go from each audition to audition and have, you know, the doors closed on them, they're just walking around. And one of them says, well, it could be the script. Is it the script? We should change this up there. And they start arguing with each other. And then they go to Kermit and they ask him, like, Kermit, what should we do? Kermit, what should we do? And Kermit, you know, snaps mm-hmm. and like, I don't know what to do. What do you ask me all the time? Can't you figure anything out for yourself? And you get a little bit of more mature content yeah. with this movie than you do with other ones. I'm not saying that, you know, kids can't watch it. It's totally acceptable to watch. There's, they're not going to be doing anything risky or adult in nature. But as a kid, I remember being taken kind of back by having the Muppets argue with each other because I've never seen that before. I've never seen confrontation before. And this may be the first sort of like a piece of dramatic fiction that I watched where there were characters having that sort of attention with each other. And it wasn't so much like a violent fist fight, but it was violence in the context of characters arguing. I just have never seen that before because most movies when I watched as a kid, you know, everyone kind of like got along and there was like a bad guy that they had to fight, like a distant right. bad guy. It's like the Transformers always fought Megatron. He was the bad guy, but you never saw a conflict with like a group of friends. And that kind of took me out of that. I don't know. What was your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, this is, I think, the first Muppet movie that doesn't really have a villain. The villain in the first one is Doc Hopper. In the second yes. one, you have what's his face? I forget. With Charles Grodin. Grodin. I forget the yeah. character's name. Nikki. Nikki. Yep. Uh, Nikki Holiday. And then in this one, the villain is New York. I guess like making it in the big city. Like basically, you, you know, you closest you get to a villain confrontation is Kermit being like, "You hear that, New York? I'm staying, and I'm gonna make it. Kermit the Frog is staying," which I which res- resonated me. 
with me as an adult now and be like, hell yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> you tell that to your thing. You do you, Kermit. No, but to, to your point, there there are some interviews with Jim Henson on the, the DVD of this that I that I own. This is the this was actually like I think the first Muppet movie I saw because I, I was born in 83 and this came out the year after. So I was basically my son's age watching this on repeat at home as a little kid. Like this, this is the first Muppet movie I got obsessed with. So I think it's it's interesting because in those interviews, Jim Henson's talking about how this movie, you know, Frank Oz put a lot of effort into sort of developing Kermit as a character. So you see a lot more facets of him in this film than I think you do in the previous ones. And just like the Muppet movie, he's he's shepherding everyone's dreams. And even if he's, even when he has like, oh, I don't know, we're still missing something. He perpetuates and pushes and, and stays on the, you know, on the mission of trying to to make Manhattan Melodies happen on Broadway in this film, even when everyone, I, I, I you know, except for Pig, Piggy, I guess, even when everyone goes away, we think Piggy went away initially and he he stays with it. So the fact that we see him, him sort of snap and sort of feel the weight of that, that responsibility, feel the, the, the burden of that, because that's got to take a toll on a, on a little frog after a while, be like, hey, everyone's looking for you. It's all on you. No pressure. Kermit, but we're all expecting you to tell us what to do. I think that that feels really real. And I love that that Kermit has, you know, a little bit of an attitude at times. There's some in the Muppet movie early on in the swamp with Dom DeLuise. He's kind of giving him some sass. You know, there's moments where he does lose his temper. There's moments where he does feel stressed out. He's, he, and, and all that stuff just builds uh, builds into these characters and makes them feel makes them feel real so that when Gonzo's grabbed by the nose taken out of an office we're like hey put Gonzo down not oh look this guy walking around with this toy on his hands yeah. and, and so I love when they do that we in he in this movie he's a he's a master disguise suddenly which I thought was oh, sure great. yeah I know well when he we was trying to build his scene but I think I have to mention before we do get to that moment so they're at the diner and I think that well Kermit goes to talk to the, I guess, the restaurant owner, Pete. Yeah. At this one shop. He's trying to get soup for his friends. And he doesn't have any money. And the Muppets are talking at the table. And they're like, you know, we do put a lot of burden on the guy. And I think that it was like either Dr. Teeth or someone mentions that. Maybe we should try to find, you know, other jobs. And the Muppets are going to have to go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. They have to try and make their own money. They can't stay in this group anymore. They had this dream to put on this play and the dream failed. I mean, and as a kid, that's kind of a tough thing to sort of like hear, you know, knowing that you can try at something and try as hard as you can, you can still fail at it. And that's just kind of a, it's one of those cut wrenching things that you don't necessarily want to hear, especially at a young age, because nowadays people are like, no, you can just achieve anything you want to. If you dream hard enough, It'll happen. And a lot of times, that's just not the case. And you can be talented. You can be really good. But you're not always going to get the dreams that happen. So the Muppets have to make an adult decision. They're like, we need to get jobs. We need to work. And if we can't stay here, we're going to have to go away. So they made the decision as a group to go their separate ways. Kermit decides to stay in New York because he still believes in the play. And everyone still believes in the play too, but he still wants to decide to stay. And there is a great musical moment where all the Muppets are singing goodbye 
And I swear, I didn't do I I not to do this in the show, but we watched it again when Fozzie Bear has that line like gonna stay, gonna cry, say goodbye. Fozzie's last line in that play. I don't care how old you are. I don't care. That moment always brings a tear to my eye. That one last line that Fozzie says in that song, and I can't pronounce it verbatim, but just having him say that line and having that all the Muppets heads, you know, doing their la 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 parts, just brings so much emotion into me. And these are puppets. I just can't. Yeah, yeah just very. No, I, I, I think. I I I my I think my wife thinks I'm crazy because I I well up at least a couple times in most of these movies. Yeah. I think it's just like hard coded in, into my DNA at this point because I grew up with these characters and I grew up with this movie, the Christmas Carol movie, yeah. the original <laughs> yeah. movie, those three I like I've seen the most I would say over the years. And so there are a couple points in all of them that I just start crying, like get emotional. And in this movie, watching it as a kid, but then now watching it as an adult, the scene where they're where they're saying goodbye, where they're where they're singing the song, really, really gets me. Because as a kid and as a, a longtime fan of the Muppets, you don't. The last thing you want to see is these people separating they're yeah, supposed they're, to they're be going away no they can't go away no don't, don't, don't do yeah that. <laughs> yeah they're, they're supposed to be together that's how yep. that works they're supposed to be this there's you know there's sort of an aspirational thing part of the muppets too that you know of what you were saying stay pursuing your dreams being optimistic being you know you know sticking together celebrating your differences blah 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 all that stuff all the good values that the muppets sort of represent right and so to see them be like you know this is too hard. I need, I need like, I need to get a job. I need to pay rent. I need to like, I need to have a life. Being the Muppets is just not working for me right now. And as a fan watching that, you're like, no, it, it feels like world ending in a way to see that that happen. And yes, they come back together, but the whole idea of seeing them all separating and singing the saying goodbye song, especially now, in hindsight, when you put in your mind that this is Jim Henson's final movie as Kermit the Frog, the whole yeah, saying uh, goodbye takes an extra dimension. Oh, and you're just like, oh God, my God, I can't deal with this. this. Oh no! Oh wow, this start, that turned the heartstrings a, a little bit more there. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's just very kind of brave for Frank Dawes and Jim Henson to create a story like this. For kids, I mean, even nowadays too, you know, you and I are both doing this podcast and, you know, we're hoping that, you know, we'll be picked up by like Earwolf or some other big place, but I got to work. So I actually have, you know, a, you know, good, good paid, paying job right now to help pay the bills. And I need to do that to help afford me to, you know, so I can have time for stuff like this. And it's nice to have a dream. But I think what Jim Henson and Frank Daz is saying that, yeah, it's nice to have a dream, a dream. But you gotta have some reality check to your life too. I mean, it's good to have the dream and fight for it, but you're gonna need to do other things as well in order to just achieve that dream. And also, I think the same movie too is to just keep trying at it because you just never know, you know, who's gonna be out there and who's gonna help you with your dream. As we find out later on, that there is a fan of Manhattan Melodies, but in the meantime. Uh, Kermit is working at uh, Pete's, I think it's called Pete's Restaurants. And I think Pete 
was played by, and I had it here. He's played by Louis Zorich. And he has a daughter uh, at this job. I don't know if it's his daughter, or but he has in the witches there named uh, Jenny, mm. played by Julian Donald. Now, I always get her, Julian Donald, mixed up with another actress by the name of Jill Sholin. Now, Jill Sholin is a horror movie actress. She was in The Stepfather. And she was a movie called Popcorn. And as a kid, I do remember watching this movie a lot. The Muppets Tate Manhattan. And another horror movie called Popcorn. And also Stepfather. And both actors, Julian Dorland and Jill Sholand, they looked exactly alike. And they always confused me. So as a kid, I thought they were the same actors. But they're not. They're completely different. And... Sorry for a little tangent there, but I just, yeah. that when I watched the movie again, I'm like, wait, is that the same girl <laughs> from that horror movie I used to watch when I was a kid? I had to look them both up, but I know they're different people, but gosh, they could be sisters. That's not. <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird when you, when that happens, when you're, when you, you see someone and you're like, this has, this person has so much the same energy and the same look as this other star. And, and there, I, and they were, they were in the, in the business around the same time too. Isn't yeah. That father's like mid eighties or something like well, that. Yeah. Well, it was very much mid eighties. Yep. Yeah. We looked at like, you no know, Kira Knightley and Nellie Portman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very kind of like similar people. They could be almost like related. That's, that's how these actors are for me there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, totally. And I love that you, you, you know, we may, we're mentioning now Pete's because that is very much the like. If this, if the, if the approach to this movie that Frank guys took is, you know, we've done the the meta stuff a couple times. We've done the Muppets in a in an actual like movie feeling movie. Like the Muppet Great Muppet Caper is a movie that feels the most. It's probably the Muppet movie that feels most like you're watching a movie. Like it leans into look here's the big Hollywood musical set piece, and yep. here's you know the big over the top villain and blah 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 all that stuff, right? And so this is like what if the Muppets the villain was life basically yeah which which i think is is a great message and a great tone for for a, a family film mm-hmm. because I, I you know that's that i and i say this a lot on this podcast and in general 80s entertainment for kids was very dark at times and i think there's there's that's good i think that there's that's something that we're largely missing in today's air quotes children's entertainment and the muppets yeah. is obviously as i said on previous episodes it's it's not it's they're not for kids, but they're, you know, they they are they're kids appro- kid friendly, the kid you know? appropriate. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. They're, 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 they're kid appropriate. They're, Sesame Street is designed for kids. Yep, the Muppets are for everyone, but yeah, kids included. And I think that's a very very big distinction. And the fact that this movie leans into that part of it and and shows that hey, you're gonna have to struggle. You might have to sacrifice. It's not just like you walk in and you get a contract. It doesn't yeah. work like that. <laughs> I love that it that it takes that like little bit of a darker edge to it while still being the Muppets, while still being funny and having the music and things like that. And Pete's is really the sort of the hub of these are the real people. These are the people on the ground struggling to make ends meet. They're, you know, they have their business and but they're, you know, they have to stay afloat in the big city just like everyone else. And that that leans us into the the rats. Yeah. Oh, yes. The, the formal introduction of Rizzo, who is in Great Muppet Caper, but here is actually has more of the personality we know Rizzo to have. Very much so. And I thought, what, what a comment to say about New York 
than have a restaurant run by rats because a lot of food places, everyone's talking about, oh, this place has rats or, you know, the rats are a big part of New York. And I'm sure <laughs> during that time, there were a lot of problems with the rodents. Yeah. And I'm sure that this was Jim Henson and Frank Oz making a little joke at New York, like, oh, New York is full of rats. Like, oh, we're about rats as being the workers at a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, and... and, uh, and- Pete even has a line, something like, people complain about the rats serving food, so I put the rats in the kitchen. Yes. Like, wow, <laughs> I don't know if that's better. No, say, if you were to play about the rats around the place, I'm just having to serve the food. It's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, that solves uh, the problem, I guess. And, and then we, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of Ratatouille, like decades before Ratatouille. Oh, yes. Um, very much so. But it gives but, us that, 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 uh, that moment, which I love, which is the rat, Sort of figure skating with the butter on the on the uh, on the griddle and and stuff. I I love those little those little moments where where the the puppeteers go that extra mile to really sell the fact that these creatures exist. Things like that, like like the the rat on the butter on oh, the stove, yeah. or or even during the you can't say no for an answer that that shot of just their feet walking. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. Like. The creative ways that they that they make sure that the, these characters feel real, that even if we don't see full body shots of them all the time, that they, you know, they do exist in that form. I, I love that. Stuff. Oh, very much so. I, I would mention my, my favorite kind of part in the whole restaurant is when I guess Fozzie made some wisecrack to the rat about serving food. It was like, that's it. I had it. You know how rough it is to you know, work at this job and I'm just trying to save up for my wife and my kids. And, you know, I, you know, I work and I, I slave away at this food for you and all you do is just make fun of me. You're tormenting me. How you do is starts crying and Fozzie's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. We don't have any mother money either. It was like, sorry, not my table. Walks away. <laughs> that thought to be Absolutely hysterical. My other favorite moment is when the camp appearance by Brooke Shields goes to the restaurant and he's looking up at her and says, have you ever considered interspecies relationships? And she goes, well, I have dated a few rats in my time. And he faints. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's very funny. Since we're, since we're on the, the cameos, Joan Rivers in the department store with Miss Piggy, yeah. that was one that always really stood out to me. Because, yeah, Miss Piggy took around. She's staying in the town to kind of spy on Kermit and sort of see what he's up to. She's not liking the relationship that he's that he's forming with Jenny. But yeah, but Miss Piggy is at this makeup counter with Joan Rivers. And Miss Piggy is upset because he found her fraud with another woman. And I like the reactions that Miss Piggy has from being very sad and then you see the emotions of Miss Piggy's face change from being sad to being very happy and goofy as they're like a plan made to each other. And Joe Rivers put like extra mascara and rouge and they're just looking more and more ridiculous right. to the point where they're just like laughing and having a good time and they, she gets fired from her job. Yeah, very, very fun sequence. I, I don't know how accurate this, but this is, but I did read a bit of trivia that Joan Rivers and Frank Oz, like they were shooting that that scene. Frank Oz obviously performing Piggy, and they, you know, there was it wasn't quite clicking. So they they had a couple of drinks brought over. So they each did like you know a gin and tonic or something, 
right before they shot that final take, which is this one. And I, keeping that in mind, I think you could see them really cutting loose with with the makeup and oh, really sure. kind of leading into the absurdity of it. And I think it, it it makes that that fun comes across on screen for sure. Oh, that's funny. Okay, well, shoot, hell yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh man. And then I know there's also sequences where Kermit gets letters from other Muppets and what's going yes. on with them. You have Scooter who's working at a movie theater and he has uh, the attack of the children fish. And you have, is this the introduction to the Leuven? I think it's definitely the, the first time we see New Zealand in this movie. New Zealand, okay. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's always fun. To, to figure out how they're going to integrate the, all the other like sort of supporting Muppets throughout these films. In this one, yeah, we do get Scooter and that's where we get New Zealand and that's where we get Swedish Chef and then Statler and Waldorf or like, you know, in the park, the two old men in the park or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, we always, it's always fun to sort of spot like, oh, there's, you know, there's Beaker and Bunsen or whatever. Like, you know, the, the way that they sort of, you know, sprinkle them throughout, throughout the, the story. But yeah, we get Scooter at the, working as, at the movie theater. We get, I think this is where we get Fozzie in hibernation yep. and, and Gonzo. Well, is this Gonzo yet? No, this is Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem working at like basically Oktoberfest or something. Yes. <laughs> Which of course they're like that's oh, a gig exactly. I'm not sure sure they did Rolf in the veterinarian or not. Sorry, the uh, the dog hotel. Yes, later on. What a crazy uh, scene that is too with with Schnookums yep. and, and and the other dogs. And it's like wow, that's that's kind of dark. Like Ralph the dog running this like dog kind of like you know boarding place with all these other dogs in cages, and he's just like I'm sorry, you know I. <laughs> just my, it's just a job. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, wow. What are you doing with this? But I, I got to do what I can. But I kind of went into your opinions about the other human actors in this, mainly the Pete and the Jenny character. I think that the girl with Jenny does a really good job. Yeah. Interacting with Kermit. You know, it's clear that she wants to be his friend. She's a fashion designer and is kind of working on this job to help our dad. But she has dreams too, and her dreams have been kind of put on a waypoint right here. Uh, and she meets this frog, and it's clear that they have a friendship. And Miss Piggy, of course, is going to be jealous because it's her frog. And anytime she sees a frog with another person, she's going to get a little bit upset. So I yeah. love the sequence when she's getting she's spying on them, and they have their construction workers kind of like make crude comments at her, right? And then she starts like eating bars, the bars <laughs> there. And like Kermit's like, what's that noise? Boy, it's too loud here. And Jane's like, oh, that's just New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I do love Pete and his his words of wisdom, the whole people's is people's thing. I remember that a lot from when I was a kid. Jenny and Ronnie later on. I, what I love about their inclusion in this story is that they have their dreams. And by way of their interactions with Kermit's, their dreams sort of come true as well it's sort of the it's the it's the idea of you know from the muppet movie where, where he says you know oh we you know my friends and i we have a dream you know and like you know we want to that's the kind of dream that that gets better the more people you share it with it's that it's that kind of thing it's that kermit has this lightness of spirit and persistence and and positivity and these these people sort of get caught up in his orbit and by sheer association of being his friend they end up getting involved in the show and they end up like Ronnie becomes, you know, gets to produce his first show on Broadway. Jenny gets to, you know, design outfits for the show and all this other stuff. Like they become part of the family. And I think that's 
And that's really that's, sweet. That's for me too. Sometimes it just takes that one person who has this sort of tradition here to have stuff happen. I mean, look at the success of a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once is yeah. having. I don't know. Have you seen it yet? So I'm not going to spoil yeah. it. Yeah. No, I love it. I loved it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, look at a movie like that where it's, you know, a very original concept, but I'm pretty sure there were a lot of distributors going, no, no, I'm not doing that. Hot Dog Fingers, no. It's very, it's very out there. Not for everyone, for sure. Yeah. But here's our two filmmakers who have, you know, a dream to tell a story and share it. And I'm sure it's just the, probably has some difficulties trying to put this together because the last movie, Swiss Army Man, it did well, but not super well. And I'm pretty sure a lot of distributors are like, no, we're not. You're the guys that made the movie about the fucking corpse. No, we're not going to finance your next movie here. No, this is just too strange. But they just kind of kept at it and they started adding on, you know, bigger stars with Jamie Lee Curtis and just more and more people, Michelle Yeoh, just more and more people got involved with this that sort of like, you know, snowball and then A24 picked it up. So, if anything, this movie shows that if you have a story and a concept that people like, you know, it'll start building up with it more, but you got to keep at it. And are there going to be roadblocks in your way? Yes, there are. Like, I'm trying to put together an event right now, and there's probably going to be some major roadblocks in my way mm-hmm. trying to get funding for it. But we're, we're trying to attract the interest of other people. It's starting small and it's just something that's going to just kind of like keep on building. And it's just so easy for people to just sort of like just give up and, you know, kind of like be, did the whole thing. And this movie kind of just shows that it is possible. I love the fact too that Kermit stays behind and it shows that Miss Piggy, even though Yes, she may be a little crass about spying on him that she does care about the, her frog and the dream that he has. And she does warm up to Jenny later on in the feature, which I do really appreciate. I love the great sequence at the park after Miss Piggy gets her wallet stolen or purse stolen. She takes the skates from a one Gregory Hines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our listeners really recognize Gregory Hines, but he was a big actor back in the 80s. He was in the movies like running scared and uh, I know he's like was he a professional dancer yeah tap dancer or something tap dancer yep so having them there just kind of going through the filmography oh he was in History of the World Part 1 yeah scared he was Cotton Club I'm not all familiar yeah I I can go through his resident apps right there I go with resident acting but we're not doing a show about Gregory Hines that may be for later maybe another time but after Kermit and Miss Piggy you know reunite they have an argument about hey who you've been hugging and Kermit's like, less Jenny, she's a friend. Yeah. And like, and I like the fact Craig Hines like, you gave her the huggies? But yeah, that's what friends do. That's what I see what happens when other. you give the huggies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, he gets totally, he's, he's on a roller coaster ride in that, in that fight as well as they are. And, 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 it, and it makes it a really sequence. fun sequence. Secrets when she's chasing the roller skater. I know there's some wide shot mm-hmm. of Miss Picky. That's a human, right? Yeah, that's the the full size kind of piggy air air quote stunt double, which they did that in the previous film with the diving sequence in in Piggy's fantasy. Oh, did oh kind okay. of full body piggy suit sort of deal. <laughs> but yeah, for the wide shots, you could definitely see like yeah, it's it's a yeah, little you, person in there or something. You you, you can't expect a star like Miss Piggy to do her own stunts. So that's a good that's a good point. 
Yeah. It made sense that she had out a stunt double. So I can totally do that. But they should have gotten a little bit of stunt double. It's like the stunt double they had for Blade Runner, the original cut, before they changed it. So I think nowadays, if they were to do like a special final cut of Mobile State Manhattan, they can make it a little bit more realistic. They have the technology right now, Robert, to make yeah. that sequence just a little bit better. But hey, at the time, Absolutely. you can only do what you can. You know, stunt workers is difficult, especially you, got, you can't get much stunt workers to do a Muppet movie. You know, most stunt workers probably thought it was beneath them or something like that. Who knows? But uh, they did what How they did. They? But I do love it that after, you know, they have the little arguments and they're taking a little carriage ride. Kermit yep. and Pity. And Pity is like, I'm sorry I said I never went to meet you. I wish we met when we were very younger. I, w- I wish we were met when we were babies. Yep. And we get my favorite sequence. <laughs> Which is, movie. It, it, which, which is, it's so funny that it's so, it, it, that it, it becomes such a thing because it's, it literally, it's probably the sequel. Like if I, and I, I love the sequence too, and we'll get to it in a second, but like plot wise, it has no reason to be there. It's no. completely superfluous, but it's so much fun and it's so adorable that you're like, well, that's gonna lead into a, an animated series that's going to go for like a decade. But yeah, well, I remember no, that. It, I, I, like they used to before, I mean, I know this is probably the first Muppet movie that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Now, I've no, I mean, the first Muppet movie I've seen, I've seen the Muppets before with like their right. show, but I didn't really watch The Great Muppet Caper until like a little bit later. But this was definitely the first movie I've seen of theirs. Mm-hmm. And it was just so kind of cool to see the Muppets younger, like baby, you got baby Gonzo and baby Fozzie and baby Scooter, baby Kermit. And I love the song. The song yeah. is just so catchy. It's like very much Ronnie Spector, 60s girl doo-wop group type of vocals. It's just so fun to hear. It's like, you know, Diana Ross and the Supremes, but it's Miss Piggy doing the vocals for it, though. And the whole thing, the other babies doing that, mama, da-da, cuckoo, chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, this is like the one that gets, I think, of, of this movie that gets probably the most stuck in my head. Just because because the sequence is so memorable, obviously, the introduction of the Muppet Babies, which yeah. younger listeners might know there's a rebooted version of the Muppet Babies now, but originally started in 1984. It's a couple yep. months after this came out. I guess, when they were make, I guess when they were making this movie, they were just like, oh, that's a cool concept. That works. We got to keep going with that. I'm not sure exactly what came first, the idea to do a Muppet Babies animated series or the idea to to have the sequence, but they really lead into each other really well. And yeah, the the design of these characters, even from this scene to the animated show are almost identical. Like they didn't really. Yeah. And it was, it's, it, it, as a kid, I think I, I think I realized, I thought it was the other way around. I thought, Oh, they, the Muppet baby show must've been really big. And then they plugged this into the movie and it's like, no, actually this came first. And this is the very first like successful Marvel production that was put together because it was yep. Marvel that actually did do this animated series for CBS that ran for 70 years. And what I love best about the Muppet Babies TV show is how it references movies because the Muppet Babies, they would daydream these different adventures. So they would have an action adventure scenario that's very similar to Indiana Jones. And they play clips from India. They play clips from Raiders of the Lost Ark, or they have a space adventure, and they'll play clips from Star Wars. 
Mm. or they'll play different clips from other older movies. Or I think they even had like a clip from Casablanca in one episode too. And just to see all these references to older movies. And then years later, when I do watch these movies for the first time, I go, oh, wait a minute here. I recognize that from <laughs> Muppet Babies. So they kind of put these like images of classic movies into my head. And I just appreciate that very much. Muppet Babies trying to create a, a, a generation of cinephiles. I think so. so yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm all here for it, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So I, I love the Muppet Baby sequence. And, and that, what you were saying about all the clips from different movies, I think that's kind of the generally assumed reason why that show is not available anywhere, I think. That's true. God, oh, it's so weird about the, the rights to everything and yeah. trying to like, yeah, that's so, I, 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 I don't understand. And I, I feel like that should be an episode for another time. The whole thing of like people not getting their rights. I mean, come on now, folks. I mean, it's when a movie becomes like very popular, I don't think you're going to lose money just because it plays a clip of it on a show. I mean, you're, you made tons of money. You're Star Wars, all right? You have all the money in the world right now. You're you're going to be fine if someone plays like a one-second clip of your show. Or yeah, uh, I, I run the problems on like YouTube if I use like a song, even not the whole song, but I use like a section of a song. People start taking my content. Copyright. Yeah, you copyright infringement. Yeah. And like, I'm not stealing anything. I give credit to the artist. You know very well that I did not write this song. All right. right. The popular song. I did not write it. I'm not saying that I did. No one's going to watch my reaction to a music video on my, on my channel. But oh, wait a bit here. There's still a music. They're trying to get money. We don't make any money at all on my podcast. None. Right. Zero. So just sell to help people. All right. Oh, yeah. Maybe this is Disney's long game. They're like, we're going to get every studio. And then eventually we can release the Muppet Babies, the original series on Disney Plus, because we'll have the rights to everything because they already have Star Wars and Indiana Jones, the ones you mentioned. So it's like, yeah, what, what's the holdup, guys? We know yeah. you have the rights to the Muppet Babies because you did a new version of Muppet Babies. So they have I, the, I, the Muppet show. I mean, they have the original Muppet show yeah. being played. And I'm sure that probably took a while, too, because of all the music guest stars and yep trying to get the rights to have their songs being played on the air. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it probably will happen later on. Not quite sure when, but we'll meet again. Don't know quite Don't where. make me cry in the middle of the episode. Just <laughs> no, but since we're talking about rights issues, it, it makes it's a kind of a, a good time to mention too. This is the, also the last Muppet movie to feature Sesame Street characters. Which yes, there that though well, Sesame Street is owned by not owned by Disney, which owns the Muppets at this point. So now, you know, not at this point, but like currently. So those those two entities are now are, have been officially sort of divorced for a long time. This is the last time. First, when we get the Big Bird cameo, the second, when we get the Oscar the Grouch cameo. Here we get everyone basically, but we get Ernie Burton Cookie Monster literally participating in the final number. What are your what are your thoughts on the you know Sesame Street and Muppets and sort of this last cinematic collaboration between the two? I mean, I enjoyed it very much. I mean, the Sesame Street characters, they're just kind of like in the background of the wedding sequence, which is very, it, it seems fitting to have them in there. I mean, the Sesame Street characters also were 
and then Muppet Movie itself. This this kind of brings me to a little point I want to talk about because most of the Muppet movies are available via Disney Plus. Disney yeah. brought the rights to show a lot of the Muppet movies, except for this one. And in Muppets from space. space. Yeah, yeah. This one was released by TriStar Pictures in 1984. And I believe TriStar is another company from Sony Pictures. Sony, which was like once Columbia Pictures. And I don't know exactly why they haven't... I know it has to do with like studios and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure who the original distributors were of the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Cape. But I do know that this one, the Muppet State of Manhattan was made from a different studio and they just I know I didn't watch this one again on Tubi or even like right. rent it. And you own the DVD of this, but I don't I don't know exactly why that is I, I don't know exactly the rules of how that works. I find it to be absolutely just amazing that I mean there's nothing like ah, where am I going with this? I just find it kind of weird that there actually is a different studio not so much a different studio but it's not widely available mm. and i thought maybe maybe it had to do with like maybe they had the sesame street characters in there and they made a deal with this distributor to have the sesame street characters in this one but they can't have sesame street characters in other movies i'm not sure but then i look back well there's sesame street characters in the muppet movie and I think there's also some Sesame Street characters in the Great Muppet Caper. I think maybe not, but I yeah, know for Oscar sure the Grouch has a has a cameo in there. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's like the only ones they have. So it's like small cameos. Is it like just what studio has the right to the movie? Because I think that's the same way too with the Muppets from Space. I think that was also another Columbia release, and yep. so is it the whole thing like with like Spider Man being made by Sony? For like a while, and then MCU wanted to get the rights to have Spider Man in their movies, but they couldn't get it until like you know Avengers or no the that with Civil War that yeah Civil War. I'm not sure. It's the 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 history of the Muppets and Disney has been kind of convoluted over the over the years because I know that prior to Jim Henson's passing in 1990. There were talks for Disney was was going to buy the company. They were going to buy the Muppets back yeah. then, and they had a whole like extension of the theme parks and all that all that other stuff that they were had in the works. That that's why we had Muppet Vision 4D at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios even now. But it, they didn't produce any Muppet movies until the Muppet Christmas Carol. They did Muppet Treasure Island. They did then the more recent ones after they purchased the Muppets. But I'm not. I I I. Want to say that maybe the first couple movies, the Jim Henson estate had the rights to those, and so those kind of grandfathered in. But maybe this one and Muppets from Space did not. It's, it's all it's it's very, it's very weird and very frustrating to not have all the the Muppet, you know, you know, and even even they're just theatrical stuff all together in one place. Especially when I feel like this movie is, I feel like this movie is in a in a way reputation is sort of suffered a bit because of that i you know this is one of like the only muppet soundtrack that i believe that has never really been released on cd as you said it's you know it's available it's available on dvd it's available on blu-ray but it's but it's hard to find it's on, only streaming on tubi and it's i feel like it might be one of the more underseen muppet movies now as a result of this this whole you know sort of legal rights issue over you know 
this Muppet movie versus the, you know, versus the majority of them. It's kind of, it's become sort of the the outlier and like an undeserved sort of black sheep it's, of the Muppet movie <laughs> series for no reason, just yeah, it, other it, than it's not available. It's almost like, no, this is the cult Muppet movie. I mean, kind of real. What if you're real? You may like the Muppets, but you're not a true Muppet fan until you've seen this one, the Muppets Take Manhattan, and probably definitely more Muppets from Space. Those are like for a true Muppet fans right there. You right. gotta like if you want to be in with the Muppets. Sure, you see, you seen the Muppet Christmas Girl. Yeah, that's fine. But have you seen? It's like a director's like work right there. Like, hey, you may have seen Jaws right. from Steven Spielberg. But uh, have you seen eighteen? Have you seen eighteen forty one? All right, exactly. Well, come back. You've seen Duel. Yeah, come back to me when you see. Yeah, those other because films. Muppet fans have to really work at it if they oh, want whatever. to see this. They gotta make it's gotta some efforts gotta get involved. This, this is like uh, this is like basically the you maybe like the Quentin Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof or you yeah. know Jackie Brown or something like that, where people like know of the movie but they haven't seen it yet because they just know. Well, Quentin, you know, we just know him from like Pulp Fiction and Glorious Masters. They're like, all right, hold on here, you gotta watch these other movies. Right. Like, yeah, love it. Because because of that, I feel like it's it's. We'll get to your ranking in a little bit here, but it's also I feel like it's now slipped in the rankings because either people haven't seen it you know much or for a long time so it's not fresh in their minds because of that but yeah i think it's definitely one of the one of the more underrated muppet films for sure and it was even i mean like the previous two it was oscar nominated the music here best original song score was nominated for for oh, an academy good. award so and oh. well you know well deserved i feel like the music in here is is really outstanding we've already talked about all the songs are great you and it, we didn't even really talk about together again, which is sort of bookending oh, this story. Song. One of my favorite songs happens during their wedding sequence when Miss Petey's like, he'll make me happy. And first thing, she'll make me happy. Yeah. That's the moment too. That's always going to drive me to tears. And, yeah, I was to say. yeah. 100%. Like I'll, I'll get there during the, the he'll make me happy that part. Yeah. But then once it goes to the why and, First he he she sings, then he sings, then the the like people in the crowd, the the little the babies and the and the elderly women Muppets, that part. The years go passing day by day. That thing. Then when it cuts to the wide shot of everyone in the church singing, forget it. It destroys me. I don't know what it is about large groups of Muppets singing together, but whenever that happens, it, especially when it's something so sweet and so beautiful and sort of wholesome like this or like uh, you know the the magic store at the end of the muppet movie things like that like forget it it destroys me it it's it's a beautiful moment and the fact that they have all the sesame street characters there's even like a fraggle rock character in there it makes it that much more that much more powerful for for us longtime muppet fans i mean i know they had to have a lot of uh, extras puppeteers to put that sequence together that one sequence took a full day for them to shoot that that win sequence yeah. with the puppets all together and as said before it's a very beautiful song i think it's a song that yes people if you're trying to find a song to play at your wedding this yeah perfectly exactly. beautiful it's great i do love the fact i know there was an episode of the tonight show hosted by kermit the fraud and i know that Kermit and Pity have been like this long off and off relationship, which I think is kind of a failure from the later sequences of the Muppets to not have them be involved together. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
I didn't much care for that. But this is great. And like I said before, very bittersweet about uh, Jim Henderson's passing. But yeah, very, very enjoyable. I just kind of wish the movie, because after the wedding, the movie just kind of ends. We did not even mention, too, that there's a part in the movie where Kermit gets amnesia. Mm-hmm. And he's actually working for an advertising agency, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, I I, I don't want to kind of spoil that moment there. But <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so a couple of things. First, first of all, I, the I, I just yeah, I love the church sequence. I love how how joyous it is. Mm-hmm. But yes, we do have before that the the moment where he he well, there's the whole like amnesia section of the movie where again the the to kind of beat home the whole he, he, the whole part of there there's going to be obstacles there's going to be roadblocks you got to stay with it and then it's it's he, he they get the show sold yeah. the way essentially but he runs out and Kermit the Frog gets hit by a car again yeah. this is are they is there is Frank Oz trying to traumatize young oh, Rob or like what is happening yeah. <laughs> just like first of all you have the mumps break up which is traumatic enough okay <laughs> right. great Kermit got the show going again Got the show going again. Super excited. Leaves. Gets hit by a car. This after makes a phone call. <laughs> so now, great. We have no more Kermit. Oh, wait. Kermit's alive. But oh, no. Kermit has amnesia. No. Gosh. No way you do this to me. I, I love the sequence they has with the advertisements. Like, hi, I'm Jill. Jill, this is Bill. Bill, that's Gil. Yeah. And we're trying to put together a new slogan for Sunny Breeze. Sunny Breeze soap is like, Go into the ocean, except you're not really leaving anywhere, and you stay in your <laughs> home. The Kermit says the line says, "Summer breeze soap will get you clean." Oh, just see what the product actually does. All right, sweet, we do that. Yeah. It feels like it feels like a little bit of biting commentary on like '80s marketing people. Oh, um, a little bit, <laughs> which I love that he slipped that in there. There was a lot of that going on in the late '80s. A lot of movies that was taking posts at ad advertisements and I kind of feel like that could happen nowadays. I think that the Muppets could very much make the movie made in fun of like influencers and you know how they can kind of use ads to yeah. tell people. But I digress and they actually do find him at his Kermit and his cohorts go into the same pizza restaurant from before and Kermit is like playing this little tune on the glasses and they recognize the tune and I think it's like uh, it's together again it's like ding 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 or something like that it's like it is together again yep together again Kermit and Kermit's like I don't know who you people are you people are crazy (laughs) so they kidnap him essentially and take him to the theater and like we're your friends and then and then you know we get Kermit participating in the the pig puns Sort of poking yeah, fun at Miss Piggy, like, oh, I guess you'll have to bring home the bacon. And he's like, yeah. like oh the dollar of love. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you have a movie kind of aimed at younger kids and having a frog going, I just hear the songs of love making there. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's also the joke when, uh, when the doctor, he wakes up in, in the hospital and the doctor is like, you know, commenting on his lack of clothing. And she's like, I looked into nudist colonies in the area. <laughs> he's like, this is who you are. And he's like, ah, that doesn't sound like me. And she's like, ah, go on. I love that too, the- that they can't do anything for him. They're like, you didn't have an idea with you. 
Uh, Good luck. This <laughs> hospital's like, just turn your old life over again. It's only been a day or so. No one's coming to grab me as so though. You're on your own. Like, what kind of hospital is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a hospital in a Muppet movie, I guess. We get also, since we're on sort of this sort of more risque jokes, there's there's soon after the Kermit's amnesia thing happens, they're all talking and then Janice is like, and I told him like, I don't take my clothes off for anyone. I don't care if it's artistic or something like that. Yes. Like, well, I'm like, but, wow. They're just like <laughs> backloading all these, all these more adult humor. I, I think that the sequence works great too because all the Muppets are so excited to like kind of meet up with each other and they haven't seen each other for years and it's that moment when everything gets like quiet that's when the most awkward things get said. When it, yeah. It's the whole thing when you're yeah, at a yeah. party and it's like very kind of loud and then the music just turned down at the worst moment where you're telling someone a story and yeah, like it's always like, Janice too, because there's yeah. sort of a there's a gag similar to that in Great Muppet Caper, which I, I think was really fun. We we need to backtrack a a, a second because we didn't really even talk about the the Sardis sequence and the Whisper campaign with the portrait oh. on the wall and all that. Yeah. I I again, like I said, I grew up with this movie. This was a, oh. a huge movie for my childhood. So at one point several years ago, my wife and I. We're in New York. Where I have family that live in the Bronx and stuff. So we we went, you know, kind of to Manhattan and we went to the the Broadway and we actually had a meal at Sardi's because I remember seeing it oh. in this movie. Oh, that portrait is still on the wall. The, the, oh. the Kermit one. It's part of the place. They keep it there. That is uh, because they were featured in this movie so prominently. So that that I'm pretty sure I, I have a picture somewhere of that. The, you know, Kermit in his... In his Broadway producer garb with the mustache and everything hanging on the wall inside the actual Sardis. I love the fact prior to that when Kermit is having that curly wig and he's going to the producer's house and they're like, hi, Johnny. Ciao, Johnny. How you been, buddy? And I believe the director that or the producer they're talking to is the John Landis, yep. the director of Animal House. And Blues Brothers and American World from London, all those great features. And then when they had the second phase of the plan is to have them dress up as this like big weird producer and have the rats going to the table and start talking about, hey, is that the producer? Is this a big producer? He's been producing a new play called Manhattan Melodies. It's going to be really huge. And everyone's like talking. And then I love the fact that Elias Minnelli <laughs> shows frog. up. <laughs> really, and people don't know yeah. that during the time, Liz Minnelli was pretty big. I mean, she's still pretty big from her role in Arthur. And I know she was big in other movies too. I Stewart Millie from that. I know that she had, I know a lot of listeners started yelling at me like, you don't know from this movie? I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know much about Liz Minnelli except for her role in Arthur and a few other things, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah. Kermit, Kermit, Kermit's whole little short-lived subplot of him trying to grow a mustache. She's like, oh, yeah. Like, you see? She's like, it's like, subtle. It's yeah, subtle. I love that. It's, you know, the, the, we mentioned earlier, I mentioned about how he, he keeps saying, oh, the show's not ready. There's still something missing. And when he, when he, uh, when he's throwing all the pig puns at Piggy and gets across the room. It's knocked uh, out. Yep. <laughs> he, he snaps out of it. And the whole, look at me, here I am. Right where I belong. That comes in, mm. which now every time I go on YouTube, that is used in some commercial for something. It is. And I You're hear it right. constantly. And I like, oh, good, good call. Good, good, good pickup. Whoever that, designed this, this marketing campaign, because there's so much art in just that, that brief 
segment of that song in this movie. And I'm pretty sure when most people are watching that or thinking, that sounds like Trump the Frog. Is this yeah. an original ad? I'm sure most people probably think, oh, this is the new ad that they got. They must have found some outtake of Jim Henson singing the song and just use that. And a lot of people will probably not recognize that it's from this movie. And you're right. I think it's for like... It's because they can't find it anywhere. They can't find it anywhere. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. I'm I'm pretty sure probably might hear maybe more of the song. You know, let's hope that maybe one of the songs were picked up by a new season of Stranger Things. Yeah. So that that idea of resurgence that Kate Bush did with her career. Exactly. Exactly. Together again, we'll feature into the final season of, of Stranger Things. It fits thematically, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. So I love what what what's missing about the show is in, is m- including everyone in it. Yeah. And like and that's that, which leads into the whole church wedding sequence with every Muppet character we've ever seen, essentially. And, and uh, one aspect that I think is really adds a little more kind of complexity to that moment is that the whole idea is that Kermit and Piggy, who again are college students somehow now, which is, you know, again, I feel like we're robbed of Muppets college years kind of as a TV series or something. See, do some with that. Don't remake The Office with just the Muppets. Right. No, do something. Exactly. Different. Exactly. <laughs> they keep, people keep trying to do The Muppet Show, but again, so they did The Muppet Show, which was a huge phenomenon, obviously. Then in the 90s, they did Muppets Tonight, which is basically The Muppet Show again. And then in The Muppets, they're like, but what if they had a show that they put on, but it was a Piggy's talk show. But the, the focus of our show is the, what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're, you're still not, you're still not finding the right angle, but, but their whole idea here is that they're engaged to be married when they sell the show on Broadway. So the show is on Broadway. So Piggy gets an actual minister for the scene where their characters are supposed to yes. get married, <laughs> which puts Kermit in the whole like, I thought Gonzo wants to play the minister. And she's like, <laughs> you know, like she does that kind of <laughs> when Piggy's been caught doing something she's not supposed to do. And so I love that the, that sequence has, I mean, it's a Muppet movie, so you got to kind of go with it to an extent. But it also has, there's actually some real suspense there when he hesitates and we're like, oh my God, don't do this, Kermit. What's happening? And as a younger fan, this, I think the, 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 this sequence kind of blurred the lines for the, the rest of the franchise in a way. And I guess what I mean by that is some of these movies you're watching could the Kermit and Piggy that we know that exist in our world, you know, like the ones from the Muppet show who are in the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. And then some of these movies you're watching Kermit and Piggy, who are playing characters that happen to be named Kermit and Piggy. So when they get married in this scene and it's such a big deal later on in the movie, in the other, in the other franchise, when they show up in the Muppets in, in 2011 in, in my head, I'm like, did they get married? Did that not count? Like what's Canon? What's not yeah. Canon? You know what I mean? That's, that's strange. Way to look. Yeah, you're right. Because I always, I always kind of thought that you're right because they are playing characters who happen to have the same name, but when you see them together, since Kermit and Piggy have always been so iconic, you sort of like assimilate them as just being that couple. They've always been together, regardless if they're married or not. They've just always been that unit together. And I think that was something like that was great because even though they don't completely say they're a couple, you just know that they are 
even though they don't have to say anything. I think it becomes a problem when they have to make episodes about their divorce or how they right. broke up. Right, which is what the office show, the 2015 show, tried to do. Yeah, you, don't, you don't want to do stuff like that. You don't care if they're... they're dating not, other people. I'm like, ah, no, why? Don't do that. Yeah, you, just... I don't care if they are, but you still want to come out and say it. You know, it, there's like an unspoken bond. You know, you just don't do stuff like that. I don't know. Right. But yeah. I, yeah. And, and their dynamic is always, she's always been 100% all in on Kermit. You know, even in, in Great Muppet Caper, when Charles Grodin is like pining for her, which is hilarious. Yeah. She's like, yeah, no, no, I've got Kermit the Frog. I don't care about you. And Kermit's always been always reciprocated those feelings, but always been a little more hesitant, a little more, uh, but she's kind of a lot to deal with sometimes. But she ultimately, is. she is, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, but ultimately always comes down to, but I but I love her, you know, I can't help it kind of thing. That's the whole, I hope there's something better, something better comes along thing in the Muppet movie. He's just like, oh, and Rolf's like, stay away from women. That's my macho. He's <laughs> like, but I can't. He's like, neither can I. That's my trouble. Yeah, it's they, kind of yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> He's just drawn to Piggy there. It's their end, their end game, these two. And so I, but I love that it, there's in that moment, she's kind of momentarily blindsides him by having an actual minister to make sure that they actually get married. Cause she's like, yeah. I'm not letting lose you again yep. to Jenny, to amnesia. Like we're yeah. making it happen <laughs> now. And so she's already thought like 12 steps ahead of him. And he has that moment where he realizes that it's a real minister. He gets nervous. And then she's like, he, she, yeah, the, 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 you know, the priest asks her, do you take Miss Piggy? And, he has that moment where he's like, mm-hmm. ultimately kind of working it out in his head. And then, of course, comes back with I do. So I love that that we that, that's, that dynamic is generally consistent from movie to movie, even when the the characters that we're watching aren't the Piggy and Kermit who, you know, would show up on The Masked Singer or Hollywood Squares or whatever mm-hmm. in, in our actual pop culture. Yeah, maybe that was the whole plot tension. That was the whole catalyst of the movie, the whole point of like, will you say I do or I don't? That's that was a big, that was the dramatic, that was the tension filled breaker. That was basically that was Roy Scheider fighting the shark and jaws. Right. No one of Kermit's gonna say I do or not was just that. And that's probably where the movie that's most likely where the movie ends is after that, that moment. Yeah. Because there, there's no, we do see in a sequence, I think it is like Jenny and Ronnie are like kind of together holding hands. So, you know, they may have a relationship there. Not quite sure, but hey, good luck on them as well. And then the movie just kind of shows the end of the pity and Kermit and the moon, and the clouds, and the credits roll. I kind of wish with a friend, which I thought was really sweet. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of wish there was something else a little bit more, but I don't want a fourth break wall moments and the movie already established that these are real characters i just kind of wish there was a little bit of an epilogue just mm. something afterwards like I, I know this may sound risky but i like to see you know that it's morning miss piggy and Kermit waking up in bed yeah and just kind of like What's the aftermath of this yeah aftermath and just just be like huh. yeah you hit they they or, hit the, the the climax of the film and then it just ends there's no denouement of being like <sighs> I can't believe it. We made our dream. We're married. We have the show on Broadway. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't having a comment or something like, huh, you know, that wasn't what I thought it was. And she yeah. goes, yeah, I thought it'd be a lot longer. <laughs> and just made a little, I wanted to make a little, like a little 
but little like little innuendos that you know younger audiences wouldn't pick up on, but older right. audiences would. That typically, because the Muppets have always been known to do that. Yeah, uh, they're known to be having humor that can be played to both an adult audience and kid audience too. And Jim Henson has always been really kind of smart with balancing that line right there. Like I said before, Sesame Street was always geared towards children and developing children, but the Muppets were kind of like for everybody. Like you start off with Sesame Street, but then the Muppets is where, you know, you kind of want people to be in. You just kind of want people to be nice to each other. Yeah. And the Muppets were never against anyone. Yeah, they said some people were weirdos and some people were other things like a pig and dog. You know, Fozzie can't tell jokes. You know, John's a little bit too weird. Piggy is a little too egotistical. But despite all the differences that the Muppets have, they love each other very much. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie, not just this movie, but the Muppets in general, seems to highlight that it's okay to say people are different. People are different. It's accepting them is where we need to be right now. Well, yeah. I, so we can look a certain way and might be different, strange, but you know, we know them as a person, know them as a person, and they'll just be as lovable as everyone else you know. So, right. With, all with ideas the, like together. The, the Muppets work because they're a, a pig, a bear, a, a, you know, a whatever, a dog, a, you know, because there are all these different, if it was just a group of frogs, that would be, I, you know, that would be the, the, the ad agents in this movie. Yes, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants that? Like you need that contrast of not only personality and species, but just like, you know, energy everyone it's, it's become one of those, it's become almost sort of a, a, a litmus test. It's like, there's probably a million quizzes on the internet. Which Muppet are you? Because yeah. They're very, they're very representative of different personality types and different insecurities and different, you know, uh, we can all identify with one of these characters, whether it's Kermit, Fozzie, Gonzo, Animal, Piggy, Rizzo, whatever, Pepe, to 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 name drop a more recent Muppet edition. It's it, they, they, there's you. Everyone can kind of see themselves in this group, and I think that's 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 what part of what makes them special and i was going to ask you what what you think the legacy of the muppet movie franchise is i feel like you kind of answered that did you anything anything regarding that question that you wanted to to sort of expound on of the muppet legacy of yeah, like legacy of these what is this what did the muppet what, movies contribute to cinema what is what is the legacy of them oh gosh it might have way I'm not quite sure. I think the big thing what the Muppets movies have done and shown is that life is good as long as you have a group of friends and family that kind of share your same vision. Even though like, like the group of friends I had, life is good if you have like friends that will love and support your dreams and want to help you out with that, but also it could be kind of grounded in reality. And it's great to have friends that have different opinions because it sort of like helps ground you and leads you in the right way. If I'm saying that right, which I know I'm not, but it's important to actually be around different types of people and get different opinions. You don't want to just keep on the same, you only keep the same friends who just agree with you all the time, right? Because you'll never grow. 
it's always important to have people that do disagree with you so you can have conversations and you both can kind of like learn from each other and have different points of views taking place. And I think the Muppet shows that. I mean, you know, you have a guy like Sam Eagle, who's very conservative. And then, you know, you have a character like Janice, who's very liberal. And just having those two different type of dynamics is actually pretty important to have. You need to have a character like Miss Piggy to be, you know, pretty vain and egotistical. And then you need to have someone to be a realist like Kermit is and also be Karen as well. Yeah. You need to have a strange guy like a Gonzo out there to like just try new things. You know, hey, I'm going to shoot myself out of a cannon or I'm going to have bathing with a bunch of chickens or something of that nature. And you have, gosh, just so many other. I, I love, I particularly love the the fact that Great Muppet, well, the Muppet movie, but then the Great Muppet caper, I think, solidifies that the the main trio of in these films, you know, Kermit has Kermit's two best friends are Fozzie and Gonzo, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I love that those two characters have the exact same kind of balance that what that, that Piggy and Kermit have, where Fozzie is, you know, he's he's a comedy bear. He goes out there, he does his things, but he's very unsure of himself. He 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 comes he 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 tries he he goes out there he's like ah waka waka hey everybody and he's like uh and he, he his his veneer of confidence sort of crumbles immediately as soon as Statler and Waldorf start you know <laughs> start hurling insults at him starting from the Muppet Show and and then yet yeah, Gonzo's complete opposite Gonzo's like oh I'm gonna do this crazy thing I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go fly into the air or whatever like he he's he's blind confidence unflappable completely in his own in his own world or out of this world i guess which teases his his origins later on in the franchise all of that like i love that the one is so kind of insecure and the other one is so unabashedly confident like sort of overly confident like i'm gonna do yeah. that do you know what you're doing not really we'll find out it's so i love this too yeah the two who ever have... thought who ever thought to have gonzo do water skiing with the boat full of chickens sitting in the William Tell Overture, just glide around everywhere. And weird thing and stuff like that, but Gonzo. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Gonzo's just sitting around one day and inspiration hits and he's like, I know what we're going to do for our show. And that's what he comes up with. And that's what we love about both of those characters. Like we can re- we can relate to to aspects of, of both of them and, and, and sort of aspire to different parts of these different characters. And it's, yeah, I, there's something very special about the ensemble. It's the gamut of human life is what the Muppets have. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, do that very much. It's okay to be insecure. It's okay. You know, that's why moments like Kermit losing his, you know, losing his, his cool there for a moment with the group is, are so important. That yeah. you, it's even Kermit the Frog gets stressed out and, and, and snaps and, and gets, says, says things he doesn't, you know, he doesn't mean or, you know, feels the pressure of different situations. You know, it's, it's okay. That makes, makes you human that's what makes these characters feel so real i love it love it very much and i just i don't know if i i just hoping that one of these days i'll be able to like you know hug them i want to have a drum off with animal that's yeah there you go oh just i would love to i like to smoke up with janice because i'm sure she's holding <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that we 100 percent I mean, Tana with like, anytime you see him, Zoot, Zoot is like totally out of it. Like, especially Zoot, Zoot just goes a little, a little too, a little too hard sometimes. Anyway, I really wish that when I saw that live concert of the Electric Mayhem, I'm like, I, I want tickets right away. 
tour, yeah. tour right now because you're you best believe it. I would totally go to the Alicia Mayhem show, and I would buy T-shirts. They would be the best concert experience ever. I mean, right. put anything with the Muppets involved. In fact, I know that there was like I just did like some sort of like a retrospect, and they brought the Muppets back on live on stage again, and just to have a live audience be there with the Muppets, like, gosh, like, ah, how surreal it would be to have the Muppets be in your studio or just to have them, like, just talk with them. I would just be geeking out, hardcore. And I just, even though I would not tell that they were actually puppeteers, I'm like, oh, no, you're, it's you. I'm actually, I'm actually, I talked to with Miss Piggy. I'm actually going to hang out with these characters that, I've known love for years and just can't get enough of it. That's the thing. Even when I was watching that, that Comic-Con panel, like it's mm-hmm. Steve Whitmire sitting there with his hand in the Kermit puppet and, and talking with Kermit. And you're like, you, you see the seams, but you're like, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. Like, yeah, you want to preserve, you want to preserve the integrity of those characters in your head. hundred percent. So yeah. where, where does this one fall on your, your Muppet ranking? What are your, okay, what are your let's... eight? What are your Muppet rankings from best okay. to worst, worst to best, however you well, want to do it? Okay, so we're going like theatrical, right? Correct. So from- the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, The Muppets Take Manhattan, The Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, Muppets from Space, The Muppets 2011, and then uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Okay, how do I do this right here? Uh, however you want to uh, do it. If you need a moment, okay. I'll, nope, I'll, 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 I'll it right now here. Okay, all right. So... All right, for me, number one is still the Muppet movie. That is just an all-time classic that deserves to be on that Criterion channel. Or the, it needs a Criterion edition. I'm, I'm so awesome. glad you said that because I've been obsessed with that idea for a while. I'm like, why doesn't that exist? And you like, like a, a 4K transfer, Criterion, get commentary, did some old archive interviews with Jim Henson, everyone involved in that. So that has to happen. And then next up on my list here, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say the Muppet State Manhattan is my number two. I just because I love the storyline, love the characters. We just talked about that. Number three is the Muppets from 2011. I think this is a very very great movie, and I definitely love what Jason's going to with this. Can't wait to hear that episode when you record that one. All right, and then number four is going to be the Muppet Christmas Carol. That is just an epic one itself right there. Then I'm going to do Muppets from Space as the next one as my favorite. And then we have Muppet Treasure Island as the next one. And then Muppets Most Wanted. What's the other one I'm missing? Great Muppet Caper. Oh my, I can't put that one last. No, I took it about the Muppet Keeper. All right, sorry. Do you, do you want me to recap the, what you have? Because I, I have. All right, I'm, no, sorry. We're doing a new list here. All right, sorry. Everything changed the same here. Muppet Movie, <laughs> Muppet State Manhattan, The Muppets from 2011, okay. uh, Muppets. If you had Christmas oh, Carol right, after that. Muppet Christmas Carol, that's staying there. Then Muppets from Space. Great. No. Uh, see, I'm, I'm trying between Great Muppet Caper and Muppets from Space. Which one I like more? Right. I'm sorry. Muppets from Space wins over Great Muppet Caper. So Caper at six and then Treasure Island and then Most Wanted? Yes. Most okay. was at the last one. And then above that is uh, Muppet Treasure Island. And Got then it. Great Muppet Caper, Muppets from Space, Muppet Christmas Carol, 
Muppet State Manhattan, Manhattan, Muppets in 2011, and then the Muppet movie. So wait, so Muppet Take Manhattan is number two. Yeah, Muppet, Muppet, yeah, sorry, that's number two. Yeah. Okay, cool, Muppet. cool. I just want to make sure I get your ranking right so I can... I decide where this don't Accurately. Be it's all good, it's all good. I, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's not only eight movies, it's 35 years of movies. So it's yeah. not, And they're all similarly, similarly titled. They're all Muppets Blah, Muppets Blah. And, and so it's, it's easy to muddle them in your head. And the worst thing too is that I do enjoy all these movies for yeah. different reasons. I, I just put the Muppets that most wanted kind of lower on the list as the ones I would watch the least amount of times. So that's why that goes there. Same thing with the Great Muppet Keeper. I kind of enjoy that one, but it doesn't have much rewatchability as like Muppets from Space or the Muppet Christmas Carol does. I mm -hmm. tend to watch those movies a little bit more than I do the other ones. Like the Muppet Treasure Island, that's good, but that's mainly because of Tim Curry in that movie. Yes, um, definitely. I mean, it, it's still a fun one. I need to rewatch the Muppets Most Wanted again. Wasn't really feeling it the first time I saw it, but I'll give it another shot. And yeah, Muppets from Space is another one of those like cult. Muppet yeah, you have to. That. It's on. It's on Hulu now. I just checked. A little it while is. Ago. So okay. it's there. But it's not where you would think to look for Muppet stuff. It's not. It's not with the majority. It's not with the the Muppet movie and the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I think are kind of generally considered to uh, among the best Muppet films. Those two. I agree. Yeah, and I need and to pick up the DVD of the Muppets from Space because it does have commentary, like Mystery Science Theater two thousand commentary with the videos of Gonzo and Rizzo. Yeah. 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 Doing comments of that movie, which I definitely want to see. They actually showed their shadows. As that's, I watched the movie. That's cool. Yeah, I think I, that rings a bell, actually. I may have watched that at some point because I do own that on DVD as well. My my issue, to, to speak to your most wanted thing, and it, it makes sense to bring it up here because I already brought it up in the Great Muppet Caper episode, is that I, I there's a lot I like about The Muppets Most Wanted, but what I don't like is that so much of that movie feels like it's just remixing the Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Take Manhattan. And like there's elements of those two movies that they're just like, oh, well, we're gonna do, we'll do this, but we'll do it in a slightly different way. And, and like literally in that movie at the end, it, they, they do a reprise of Together Again, where they're going together again, again. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> um, it's just like, it doesn't <laughs> take the, there's, there's good stuff in that movie, but it's, you have to sift through the sort of rehashed Muppets, the Muppet stuff. And, you know, I think, it's sort of it's sort of the same idea of what Disney did with the Star Wars movies. Like Force Awakens is very much a new hope. Yep. You know, for a new generation, very similar plot-wise, kind of structured the same, that kind of thing. And I think you can do that with one movie, which is what the Muppets 2011 has a lot of. There's parts of it that's a road movie. There's parts of it like getting everyone together. Yep, say, exactly. It's very, it's very the Muppet movie in that way. Yeah, with the new elements of this new character coming into this world, you know, in the Star Wars, it's Ray, and here it's in there, it's Walter. But then the next one, they're like, "All right, now we're going to just do do our, you know, do the do some the same thing again, like what you did." It, it's as much as people are mixed on the Last Jedi. If the Last Jedi had come out and essentially done the Empire Strikes Back again, I think people would have been like, "All right, what is this now? What are we doing?" Yeah, and I think that's what Muppets Most Wanted kind of did with the Muppets is that you know they 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 they're borrowing a little too liberally with these sort of three the the original Muppet trilogy being the mm -hmm. three that actually feature Jim Henson as Kermit. Yeah, because you you want to play into fan service 
but you don't want to go so too much into it that you're basically just remaking right the same story over and over again. And I think that's the issue that Disney is having right now. They have the rights to these characters, but they really don't know how to really rate for them. And that's why I enjoy movies like Muppets from Space very much, just because they're trying new stories mm-hmm. with that franchise. And I kind of wish that they would get away from Disney so that they can make some I'm not I'm not saying risque, but I want them to be more free in their interpretations of those characters without really having to rely on past stories. I want them to try and do new things with the Muppets. Like I mentioned before, let's remake classic movies, but with Muppets. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let, let, I would love, like, let's do an adaptation of Scream with all Muppets and have, yeah. you know, the 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 lead girl, the Nev Campbell, have her be like the only actor in there. Would you love to have a uh, a scream sequel with just Muppets? I would love to have in anything with just Muppets. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, and that's that's the that's the thing that I feel like it, it's it's interesting that you're you're bringing that up again because that's after Jim Henson passed away, they're like, well, what do we do now? What is the next movie going to be? They're like, we do the Christmas Carol, but with Muppets, yeah. and and they found a whole new angle from there. To, to do Treasure Island with Muppets, to do as much as I hate this movie, The <laughs> Wizard of Oz with Muppets. It, 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 to do even now, Disney's like, what do we do with them? They did the, the Muppets 2015 show that didn't take off. They did the uh, Muppets Now kind of digital series, which is, which is at least trying something different. And then they're saying, oh, okay, Muppets Haunted Mansion. Let's kind of mash it. And if you're going to do that, Disney owns so much. Like, do I do? Does the world really need a Muppets Avengers or something? I don't know, but I'll watch it if you do it. You have the rights to it. You might as well do an hour long special with all the different things that you already have in you know in in house. Just start with that and then work your way out from there. Yeah, I don't know. Did you watch the Muppets Haunted Mansion? I did. I think I feel like there there's a lot in there that feels like it's getting. It's not quite where I, you know, top tier Muppet level where I would prefer the the brand be, but I feel like it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's a little darker. It's a little edgier. It's a little, you know, it's a, it's a little more willing to turn the attention to Muppets other than Kermit, which I think is another thing that's really important to sort of shift that perspective around. Obviously, Kermit's the lead of the, of the you know, the crew, but the fact that, you, you know, you mentioned Muppets from Space, that's essentially a Gonzo movie. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, that's good that we have. So is Haunted Mansion. It's, it's more, Gonzo's the lead of that. Kermit's in it, but more peripherally. Like, I think th- they should be okay with, you know, having the this, this story focus more on Fozzie or Piggy or whatever. Like, not necessarily be like, well, this is Kermit's story. And like, it doesn't always have to be. That's how you exhaust the brand is just being like, well, we only focus, you have, you have this group of dozens of Muppet characters and you're going to focus on one to sacrifice the rest of it. I don't know. I feel like that's a mistake. I would want the Muppets to play characters in a movie they're not actually the actors but let's have a remake of straw dogs with scooter and janice as the actors in that movie just something like that just have like something totally out there and crazy let's do a remake of the big lebowski with fozzy bear and pepe the prawn (laughs) i don't know i'm just just I know. I'm trying to think who would be who would be the dude. Like you would think no. Fozzie because he's kind of big and hairy. But then I feel like, what? How do you not have it be one of the electric men? Well, then Doctor Teeth would have to be the Walter, 
or something. I'm trying to think of like dot. Who is a gruff person or even Sam the Eagle? I'm not. Sure. I got. I've got to think about this now. I would love to even have Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with the Gonzo as Raul Duke, and as the Doctor doctors, the that it's Doctor Gonzo, but the lawyer character, yeah. the Benicio del Toro character of Josh. Oh, no, not Fozzie. Well, no, Fozzie tries to do it too. He could. Yeah. Fozzie and Gonzo. Fozzie and Gonzo. I could definitely see a remake of Fear the Loathing in Las Vegas with those two. The bottom line is they need to try something different and shake it up. I think that's that's the thing. And the the next Muppet thing that they have in the works, I guess, is is Muppets Mayhem, which is a show that's focused on the electric mayhem. So that's exciting. I love that. Like, I literally just said, turn the attention to characters other than Kermit. Oh, glorious. Oh, you're giving me like a, a spinal tap kind of thing with the electric oh, like, mayhem. I'm all about it. Oh, with lots of music like that. <laughs> oh, that would like, be so epic. I would so, absolutely love I, that. I have faith that they're they're starting to to pull it together because it's frustrating as a Muppet fan seeing you know the the characters brought back in such a triumphant way in 2011. And then the last decade, you're like, well, where's my Muppet content? This show, what is this? It's, it's, not, it's being so poorly handled. And this is, these are, this is the company that owns Pixar, Marvel, yeah. Star Wars, everything else. And those are all doing so well. What is up with the Muppets and why can't they figure it out? I mean, the last great Muppet thing that I remember them doing was their cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Which was like, you know, a one-off YouTube Thing that just blew up huge and like yes the Muppets are back and this would this got the people interested in doing the Muppets from 2011 is because of that little short and how it blew up everywhere like oh sweet we're trying to do new Muppets and then you're right after Muppets Most Wanted and the other field sitcoms maybe this is what has to happen there has to be a build up we have to keep they have to keep trying at stuff and failing at things so that it can succeed I mean, no one ever thought, I mean, the Muppets didn't become successful right away. It took a lot of work right, for the Muppets to make it to where it was. And Muppets are still, you know, they're very important. They're still very influential. People know and below the Muppets, mainly because of these early features, the Great Muppet Caper, Muppet Movie, and Muppets Take Manhattan. These are basically the brick bones of this franchise and people have their own favorites. You know, the Christmas Carol has been like a huge influence on a lot of people. People call it like the greatest adaptation of that story and still considered to be many people's probably favorite Muppet movie. So I don't think the Muppets are going to go away anytime soon. I know they made the joke about that in the Muppets 2011, which is a lot of fun. Like you guys not relevant anymore, but mm-hmm. no, the Muppets will always still be a very relevant franchise. And Regardless of the failures that it has had in its past, I still think that there's still enough successes to keep it going for years and years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's and that and that is, I think, a the perfect note to sort of end this episode on because the, we're we're signing off this era of these three movies that you're saying that are the foundation. And then the next next episode will be like a totally new sort of approach. And I think that's what they need right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vern, can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Sure. Well, you can follow everything of the Cinema Recall on Twitter at Cinema 
underscore recall. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Cinema Recall. If you look at your Google things, people still use Google. Just type in Cinema Recall Podcast. You can find links to us. We're available on all sorts of places. Google, Apple Podcasts. Podchaser. We're part of the Full Swap Radio Network every Sunday at 8.30. So check us out there as well. Our website is cinemarecall.net to find all our past episodes. And yeah, that's that's it. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. I know we've been connected on social media and stuff for a while. So yeah. getting you finally on the show on the show was, was real, real, real treat for me. Oh, it's so, definitely... it so painful to talk about this movie. It was such a just a chore to sit through. <laughs> so oh my sorry, gosh. Gotta watch, this. gotta watch Muppets. We we sent this movie. I'm like, oh no, not the Muppets. Oh. <laughs> well, that, that's why that's part <laughs> that's part of your your you jest, but that's sort of why I'm doing this mega series. I'm like, I could use some joy in my life yeah. in 2022. I'm gonna do all the Muppet movies. And I and I also think there's something interesting here to talk about. Like this is a brand that has had a lot of ups and downs and and multiple iterations of what a Muppet movie should or or feels like, what it should be. And I think it's we're sort of at a crossroads for the Muppets as a as an IP. And I think it's it's a kind of a good time to reflect and be like, all right, where have we gone? And what should have what should come next? And so it's kind of taking this this journey down the path of Muppet history is is uh has been a lot of fun. So I I thank you for taking part in it, man. This was a great well, Thank you very much. Now I'm just thinking about the song moving right along. <laughs> I'm trying to work that as much as I can. <laughs> Big thanks to the Vern of Cinema Recall for coming on to discuss 1984's The Muppets Take Manhattan. This, like I said, was a, a my entry point into the Muppet franchise. So it was a really uh, exciting conversation to have and kind of delve into where uh, where my journey with the Muppets started. And you're hearing so much it's been so so much fun to hear where all our guests are coming from and how they all encountered the Muppets for the first time but I want to know when did you have you seen the Muppets take Manhattan as the Vernon I talked about it's one of the harder ones to track down uh traditionally because it's not on Disney plus where the rest of them are it's I don't even know if it's, it's probably a little bit harder to track down a blu-ray at this point so let me know have you seen the Muppets take Manhattan if so does it deserve this sort of underrated status that I feel like it has. Uh, it's one of the lesser seen Muppet films at this point, I'd say, by newer fans at least. So uh, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram, via email robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll be back next time with the Muppet Christmas Carol, which is, is a whole other conversation because it's, it's quite a detour for this franchise from these three to uh, to literary adaptations. So stick around for that one. And uh, we'll catch you at the next stop, everybody. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. <laughs> <laughs>